Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. When we talk about religious freedom in the United States today, the air is getting sucked out of the room by issues of vaccine exemptions, COVID restrictions on churches, workplace battles, and so on. Yes, these are issues that need to be addressed. But according to our guest today, we must not lose sight of the fact that religious freedom violations and outright persecutions are taking place around the world, even as we speak. Maybe we should take a moment to remember what religious persecution looks like, a vision that may be disturbing. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine, and its editor, Bettina Krauss, joins us via Skype. Bettina, what's on your heart today? Well, thank you, Charles. And you're exactly right. We have been, over the past two years, engaged in... At the very least, mass distraction. Yes, yes. We, we have been so focused on these urgent issues that are before us as a nation that it's, it's been very difficult to focus on anything else. Yes. You mentioned in your introduction the issue of COVID vaccines, of restrictions on houses of worship. And I have to say that I would be the first person to say that any government overreach into religion should be resisted. Any restriction on our First Amendment free exercise rights, all of these should be thoroughly tested to see if they're indeed legitimate, whether restrictions are, as the legal test puts it, pursuing a compelling government interest in the least restrictive manner possible. Mm -hmm. So that all goes without saying. However, I guess what I have been disturbed about, Charles, over the past couple of years is this word that keeps coming up in relation to these public debates about government restrictions on religion, and that's the word persecution. Mm. That word bothers me for a number of reasons. Before coming to Liberty Magazine as editor, one of my roles was as Deputy Secretary General of the International Religious Liberty Association. Mm-hmm. And in that role, I really saw what religious persecution looks like. I talked to people who have experienced persecution. And my takeaway is exactly how you open this program, Charles, that sometimes when we're focused on ourselves and our own arguments and our own issues, we need to remind ourselves what religious persecution really is. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is that here in America, we have robust avenues to appeal government decisions that we disagree with. We may, as people of faith, we may not always win them, but we do have uh, legal recourse We have the ability to engage in public debate, and we're not going to be dragged off to jail for speaking our our thoughts publicly. We can rally our fellow citizens to support our ideas. We can campaign for elected representatives who reflect our ideas. So we have this range of options, of tools for arguing our case. But when we're talking about persecution, what we're fundamentally talking about is an absence of those tools where minorities of faith in other countries simply do not have access to those tools. 
Give us examples of where that's taking place and what it looks like. A recent uh, report from Open Doors, which is um, an organization that focuses primarily on Christian persecution, Mm -hmm. it has estimated that 340 million Christians last year lived in places where there were high levels of persecution or discrimination. Now, think about that. That is one in eight Christians in the world today lives in a place where persecution is not only possible, it is occurring actively. And so in 2020, there were at least 5,000 Christians documented killed for their faith. You have 4,500 churches and other Christian buildings that were attacked. And you have more than 4,000 believers who were documented as being detained without trial being arrested, being sentenced or imprisoned. Mm. And this is only Christians. And let me tell you, although Christians may be the most persecuted faith group in the world, and that is, you know, a figure that many people debate, Mm -hmm. Muslims who are a minority in many countries, they are the target of persecution. Hindus, Buddhists, there is no faith group in the world that is not persecuted somewhere. When you say that, uh, Bettina, I feel like, what am I concerned about vaccine mandates for? Why am I, why am I complaining about any of this stuff going on when there are men and women, boys and girls probably, sitting in jails or being persecuted or killed for what they believe? How do I deal with that? Right. What, what should be in my mind as I try to wrap it around what you just told us? Right. You know, and I I guess we're talking about this topic today not to diminish the concerns that people have here about religious freedom, because protecting religious freedom that we have is so important. But I think understanding, putting it in perspective with what is actually taking place around the world, the forces that are driving this persecution around the world, being cognizant of that, I think helps put in perspective what we are dealing with here and the the debates that we're engaged in. But it also, I think, develops our sense of compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to understand the forces that are driving this persecution. You know, there's a number of different forces or categories, I guess, that drive persecution. I mean, I wish we could take the time, Charles, to discuss every country of the world, Mm -hmm. but we can't. There are just too many. But in broad terms, you know, we have authoritarian governments that view minorities as a threat to their power. So we have the prime example of China. This is an authoritarian government that um, has been waging unrelenting war against Tibetan Buddhists. It tightly controls Christian activity. It has placed almost a million Uyghur Muslims in detention camps into sort of what's called cultural cleansing camps, which are also labor camps. I mean, these are authoritarian governments that are scared of losing control of any aspect of political power. And then another bucket, if you like, of persecutors are those countries which are suspicious of anything that's outside the majority cultural faith. Mm -hmm. Now, an interesting example of this one, Charles, is India. Now, we think of India, you know, since Mm -hmm. 1947, an independent country, the world's largest democracy, yet almost unnoticed 
over the past decade or so, there's been a resurgence in Hindu nationalism. Mm. We have a prime minister, Prime Minister Modi, who is a Hindu nationalist who has empowered sort of the populist crowds, I guess, who are wanting to cleanse India of anything that could detract from a pure Hindu nationalist culture. That sounds familiar. (laughs) Right. We can draw parallels. So you have anti-Christian vigilantes who sweep through villages, they go through churches, they burn Christian literature. This is all social persecution that is sort of empowered, if you like, by a government tolerance of extreme views. Mm -hmm. But you also have legal persecution that's coming in through anti-conversion laws in India, through immigration laws which prefer non-Muslims. And so there's a lot going on under this rubric of wanting to maintain a sort of a majority cultural faith. And then you have, of course, places where there is actual enforcement of a single religion. So you have a place such as Pakistan, which bases its legal system on Sharia, on Islamic law. And that gives rise to you know, the sort of horrific instances which we had just a few weeks ago where a Sri Lankan worker in Pakistan who was denounced as as blaspheming Islam, I don't know what or if he actually did, I doubt it because false accusations of blasphemy abound in Pakistan, but he was murdered and, and burned on the street. So these are countries where a religion is actually rigorously enforced through a legal system. I could go on and on and on, but but what we're talking about here, forces, geopolitical forces, national forces that are making life difficult for religious and ethnic minorities in many different countries around the world. Bettina, if... I could do something, what would it be? What can I, a church member sitting in a pew in my comfortable little West Virginia church listening to a nice sermon and the piano playing and people singing pretty songs, and I'm thinking, oh, I am so blessed, yet the horribleness of what you've been describing is taking place around the world. What can I do? How do I help those people? You know, that is a question that I received many, many times when I worked in government affairs. You know, with distance comes sort of a sense of this is unreal. There's not a sense of connection. I think what we as individuals can do, we're not governments. We can't set policy. We can't extract these people who are being imprisoned for their faith. But what we can do is, number one, we can educate ourselves. Mm. And I do think that this is such an important step, not just for understanding what's happening around the world, but also developing that sense of compassion, that sense of empathy, that sense of connection with our brothers and sisters in the faith around the world. Educate ourselves, educate other people, volunteer to take a talk in your church or in your community about this topic. Talk to your friends, talk, you know, educate other people. And Beyond education, you can also advocate. There are opportunities for individuals to become involved either through financially supporting organizations that are advocating at the government level or in signing petitions or in writing to your representative 
write to your senator, find out who your state senators are, write to them, tell them that this issue concerns you, that you would like US foreign policy to be responsive Mm -hmm. to these issues of religious freedom around the world. And you would be surprised that the voice of citizens can actually make a difference in the halls of Congress. Mm -hmm. Uh, So don't discount that as a valid avenue for advocacy. And I want to add one more. Go to libertymagazine.org, scroll down to the podcast section, find program 2206, Beyond Our Borders, download it and play it in your church, Sunday school or Sabbath school. Play it for your pastor, play it for your local organization. Let them hear what Bettina Krauss, editor of Liberty Magazine, just said to us. Play it there. That's a good illustration of how we can witness. LibertyMagazine.org is the website. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Bettina, thank you so much for sharing it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Bettina Krauss, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>